You are listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. I am your host, Ryan Moreland. Very excited about this show tonight. On with me, a a favorite of this show, Titans Insider, an all-around good guy, Greg Arias. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks for the invitation tonight. Uh, Hope everybody out there listening is having a great night as well. All right. We got a lot to cover, so we're going to jump right into it, Greg. First thing, uh, got some questions for you. First one, how impressed are you with Bayard? And not just in this last game where he had three picks, but so far this season. Uh, very impressed. And I have really been impressed with the kid since he was drafted. Of course, him being a local here and, uh, you know, playing college at MTSU about 30 miles down the road, I had the opportunity to see him play. Uh, live a couple of times in college and uh, you heard a lot about him when you'd watch the highlights and stuff on the local television because MTSU certainly gets coverage in the the Nashville media and market Uh, so impressed from the start with him and I really think that it's finally starting to pay off you know there's that uh, rookie curve learning curve coming in he had the physical ability he had the mental ability he just had to learn and get comfortable and we're starting to see him do that and become a leader on this defense, and it's a good thing, certainly, uh, for the Titans. They need a few more of those in some spots, but uh, no, nothing that I didn't expect from this guy uh, at this point in time, and he, I think he's only going to get better. I'd 100% agree with that. Uh, moving on to probably the only other player that was really impressive in this last game, uh, talking about Ryan Suckup. Where would you rank right now Suckup among Titans kickers all time? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, I don't know uh, because I don't want to short and leave anybody out. Uh, certainly Al Del Greco had a good run here, uh, you know, when he was in his prime with the Titans. Obviously, Rob Baronis uh, was was really good. Uh, those three are are the top three, and they've and I know that's probably a cop out because they've been here. Uh, the longest amount of time because, you know, you had some other guys, Gary Anderson, that filled in a little bit here and there. Uh, so I don't know. I, as far as the NFL record, certainly he's got the one for the you know most consecutive uh, made field goals inside of, of 40 yards, and I think he'll add to that uh, probably some more as the season goes on this year before, uh, you know, he'll eventually obviously miss one at some point in time. But uh, you might have to put him at the top because of that, but uh, certainly those three guys have all been very good and, and done a lot of things and won some games, uh, you know, for the Titans over their career. Absolutely, I'd agree. It's a position since we've come to Nashville, since we've come to Tennessee. It's a position that we've had a lot of luck with. We've had three really good kickers, and like you mentioned, we've had guys that come in um, for short periods of times, but we've had three kickers that had longevity in their careers and were very good for a long time over their careers. So we've been lucky in that aspect. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think suck ups anywhere near the end of his run. Uh, he, maybe he's lost a little bit, uh, you know, on the accuracy of the long kicks. He did miss at 54 yesterday. Uh, it had the distance. It was just wide and who knows, you know, weather could play a factor in that. Cleveland obviously has uh, some weather issues and wind issues and things. So, you know, did that affect the kick at all? Uh, but I think he's he's still got some more good football left in him. Uh, he's a really nice guy. I had an opportunity uh, to speak with him after the Colts game uh, last week. And just a, a very humble, uh, nice gentleman and one of the good guys. And you don't hear a lot about him because he's a kicker. And, 
you know, they do, the TVs and radio crews don't do a whole lot of features on kickers. <laughs> That's definitely true. Moving on to the next one here, Greg. So far this season, and, you know, this carried over a little bit from last year, but it's definitely been in place all of this year. We've had a lot of trouble coming out and scoring in the first half. Our offense seems to never get traction until after halftime. What do you think's the most to blame for this? You know, that's a good question. Obviously, I think some of it has been Marcus's injury. He was limited a little bit against Indianapolis, and I think he kind of felt his way through that first half. He was tentative about what he was doing and how he was doing it, making sure that he didn't re-injure himself, and that's certainly understandable. I'm not sure why he kind of maybe was that way yesterday, the fact that he knew he wasn't full speed and couldn't get out and run. And then, of course, you go back to Miami and Matt Castle, and, you know, you kind of throw that one out the window uh, for what it is. Nothing against Matt Castle, but he's just not a very mobile quarterback and only got the one real week uh, of work with the, the starters to try to step in and play. It's hard to put your finger on it. I think the offensive line probably is not as good as we they were coming in. And I think it's uh, more to do with the interior of that line than it is really the tackles. I think Taylor Lewan's playing at a pretty high level. Conklin has had some moments where he's uh, had some rookie-ish looks to him. One of those yesterday where he uh, gave up a sack and you know had to, a guy just jolt and knock him backwards. But for the most part, he's played fairly well. Uh, I think for whatever reason, the interior three are having some struggles that – they need to figure it out, or perhaps the Titans might need to think about addressing it because when you look at it, you paid big money for Ben Jones to come in. He's been pretty good. You got Josh Klein that came in as free, in free agency, and you got Quentin Spain that was an undrafted guy. You know, that doesn't mean that they're not quality football players, but I think certainly you can improve those positions. No, I'd agree with that, and it does seem like the running game always picks up in the second half. One thing I've thought, and I want to see uh, how much you think. It seems like our play calling also gets better as the game wears on. And my thought it could be is our coaches are better at reacting to a game plan than they are at building a game plan heading into a game. Do you think that that holds any credence, or do you think it's not the case? It could, but uh, if you look at yesterday, I don't know that the play calling got any better in the second half than it did in the first. And, you know, when you look at these things – and I'm not trying to disparage any of the coaches or talk negative about them. They're all, uh, at least to me, they've been very cordial, friendly, professional. You know, I've got nothing bad to say about them uh, personally, nor would I anyway. If I did, I would simply avoid it. But I think they're all good people. I just at times think that this exotic smash mouth, perhaps they're trying to do a few too many things and maybe not doing some things as well as they could uh, if it weren't, you know, so many irons in the fire, so to speak. And I don't know that they're getting the most out of all of their weapons. Now, one of the reasons I think probably the passing game is struggling a little bit is that they don't necessarily have the true deep threat again this year. Uh, I think Taewon Taylor is a guy that can get deep. We saw that against Indianapolis. They've not really used him a lot in that capacity. That was supposed to be the role for Corey Davis. And of course he's been out injured. So them not having the, quote, deep threat or not doing a lot of, you know, throwing Taylor the deep ball. They've tried to use Delaney Walker down the field. 
that's limiting them a little bit because defenses are able to roll up and make it a little bit tougher on some of the short passing game. I am curious why they didn't take more shots down the middle of the field yesterday to both Delaney Walker and to John Smith who can catch the football because coming in Cleveland struggled in that uh, defensively and the Titans really didn't exploit it. So yesterday just really wasn't a, a very good game plan overall to me from start to finish. Yeah, I would agree with that statement a lot. Uh, it was it was a pretty rough game to watch as a Titans fan. It's the ugliest win we've had in a while. But, you know, right now, going into our bye week this week, setting at 4-3, and three, it's not exactly where I think a lot of us thought going into the year we would be. How disappointed are you with the first half of the season for the Titans? Well, let me go back one and say one thing uh, about the last point that I made because I probably should have said this. But, uh, you know, the players didn't execute, too. It's not all on the coaches. The players have to go out and, and make plays, and a lot of it they didn't do yesterday. So while the coaching and the game plan might have been a little off, certain players contributed. As far as for disappointment, I'm not really disappointed because, you know, as a media guy, it makes my job easier when they win, obviously. You know, fans are happier. Players are happier. They're more ready to talk to you when you come in the locker room after a win than they are. You know, when the team is 3-13 and 13 and you've asked the same question about 13 losses, uh, they get tired of answering it. We get tired of asking it. So it, it makes it much better. But I really didn't have an expectation for this team because, you know, coming in, every team's different. And you can tell that from the offensive line because last year it was considered one of the best in football. It's still decent. It's not been terrible. Certainly pass protection, if you look at the numbers, from PFF, it's pretty good. They're just not running the ball as well. I'm not sure what the issue is. So it's hard for me to put an expectation on a team and say they're going to be this or they're going to be that based on what they did a year ago. Fair enough, Greg. Uh, my Next off of that question is it feels to me like this was a great time for a bye week. You know, we were struggling a little bit. Marcus comes back. We win two in which I felt like we could have played better in both of those games, except for the fourth quarter. We played excellent in the fourth quarter of the Colts game, but besides that quarter, you know, there was uh, seven other quarters where I thought we could have played a lot better. To me, it felt like it was a really good time for a bye week for us to get us, you know, everybody healthy, everybody's mind, you know, refocused. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, you know, and the key thing is to get Marcus healthy. Uh, You know, obviously, I haven't heard a report today on Delaney Walker, uh, we hopefully will get some some more update on that. Uh, you know what exactly his status is. You need to get Demarco Murray healthy too, but Marcus obviously is the key to that. And the bye week comes at a pretty good time. And personally, I think that the NFL ought to put the bye weeks at week eight and nine. Half the league have a bye in week eight, the other half in week nine, so everybody gets it right in the middle of the season and not have teams getting byes in week two and week three and then having to turn around and play 13 or 14 straight. You could split it up, do it 8-9, and nine, and everybody's right there pretty close together in the middle and make things more fair. I wish they'd do that, but obviously I'm not in charge of such matters. But it's a good time for the Titans. I think that's a pretty good idea, too. Speaking of you know coming back from injuries, Corey Davis this week missed his fifth consecutive game. What are we looking at now? Do you think he's going to be ready for this Ravens game in Week 9? It's a possibility, but how ready can the guy be? I mean, you could get him in, you could get him in some spot play, but he's out of shape, obviously, or at least football shape, uh, where he hasn't been playing, he hasn't been working, 
Uh, you know, he hasn't had any hits. Uh, and so how much are you going to want to put this guy out there and, and uh, you know, risk him going and trying to help you? I think you could do it in some certain situations if he's ready to go. But uh, he's not going to be a dramatic help to the team the way they had certainly thought about him being coming into season simply because he's missed so much time at this point. That's a great point. Uh, and speaking of Marcus and his health, you know, this is the third straight year with uh, injury problems. Do you think for the rest of the year we see the coaching staff pull back on the running plays, or do you think when he's at 100% we go right back to it? I think they're going to use him some because you kind of have to because that is such a strength of his game. And, you know, I was kind of surprised yesterday because I actually thought that the Colts game and the injury in that sense might have been good for him because it forced him to stand in the pocket and be a pocket quarterback against the Colts. Now, I know they're not the 85 Bears defense, but they're still an NFL defense, and he still had to stand in there and make reads and deliver the football and do what he needed to do. So I thought that helped him uh, certainly late in the game, as I said earlier, after he got comfortable with the leg a little bit and played much better. I looked for him to come out and have a good game yesterday, and he didn't really do that. So, uh, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, what exactly is going on? Is the injury a little bit worse than maybe we thought that's causing him more problems than, uh, you know, than, than what initially uh, we thought it was going to be? Or is it just was it just one of those games and it was more of an anomaly? Two quick questions here about the season so far. What do you think is the biggest surprise so far for you in this Titans season? And what do you think has been your biggest letdown so far in this season? Biggest surprise? Uh, Good question. Uh, The surprise, I guess, would be the offensive line. I know this may go hand-in-hand with your question about letdown. But, you know, everybody thought coming in that that would be the ultimate strength of this team, regardless of Marcus or anything else, would be the offensive line. And I'm surprised that it hasn't really been as good as we thought it would be, certainly in the run game. They've been pretty good in pass protection, but, you know, they're not churning out the yards. And I know DeMarco Murray has been hurt. Derrick Henry hadn't been hurt. He's not other than the Colts game, and a lot of that was on the one uh, long run at the end of the thing. But uh, – you know that I guess that's a surprise to me. Uh, disappointment, Eric Decker, a little bit, and I don't know that it's all Eric Decker's fault. I really thought this guy was going to come in and be a red zone presence. It's not really turned out that way. He had a pretty good game against the Colts, but it was on a milk carton yesterday. Uh, so you know, and I think maybe some of that has to do with the fact that uh, Corey Davis is not there, or they're not getting the deep shots down the field that stretches the defense that makes him. Uh, a bigger part of the offense, you know, between the 20s and then certainly even more so when he gets into the red zone. On a milk card, and I like that line, Greg. That's a good one. <laughs> but you're looking at this division right now. You know, the the Houston just had their bye. They're setting at 3-3. Three and three. We're tied with the Jags, although we have the tiebreaker right now at 4-3 and three, and, you know, the Colts bringing up the rear. What team in the AFC South, and it's obviously right now between the Jags and the Texans. Which one worries you the most um, for the rest of the season? It's a good question because when you look at it, the Texans have got a very stout defense, though they lost Merciless and J.J. Watt. Uh, they've been able to cover that up just a little bit. This Jags defense looks really, really, really good. Uh, they're playing great football, but they still have Blake Bowles at quarterback. 
I'm going to say Jacksonville, even though I know the Titans went down there and got a win, uh, you know, in Jacksonville, Blake Bortles uh, didn't really have a great game in that game. And he's scattered uh, about as far as he'll have a great game and look like Joe Montana. And then you have a game and, and, and look like, you know, Chuck roast. He's just all over the place. So, if he comes into Nashville when the Jaguars come here with that defense and what they're capable of doing and has a good game, the Titans could lose that one at home when a lot of people think they probably should win it. And, of course, you're in a good in a good spot now because uh, you're going to have both Houston and Jacksonville coming in here. You do have a trip to Indy. And if Andrew Luck is out of that game, I think the Titans can sweep them in that. But you've got to come in here and you've got to get those games at home and win both of them if you're going to win this division. And that's going to be a tall order because both those are pretty good teams. And I really like Deshaun Watson as a quarterback right now. Uh, I think he and Houston are probably the most complete team in the division, even though I think I like the Jacksonville defense better than I like Houston's at this point in time. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And then Jacksonville and Tennessee seem like no matter how good one team is or how bad the other is, it seems like we always split the season series, especially in the last you know handful of years. It seems like we always split that season series. Indeed. And, of course, last year, you know, the Titans had an opportunity to go to the playoffs and went to Jacksonville and not only lost the game, but Marcus had the, the broken leg down there. So, uh, I think he got the mental part out of the way with that, going in there and getting the win when they went down and won that game. But they've just got to come home and, and hold serve if they're going to have a chance because you can beat the Colts and sweep them, but if you lose two to the Jag, uh, excuse me, two to Houston and one to the Jaguars, you, you're going to find yourself, you know, three and three in the division, and certainly you're behind Houston then, depending on what they do the rest of the way. And this is a, a division in the AFC South that's going to get the AFC South champion in, but probably not a wild card team after that, uh, you know, unless the Titans can, can make up some ground. And that includes winning some games that they're not maybe supposed to win or, you know, winning other games. Obviously, Baltimore coming up is going to be a big one. They've got to get that game because it's at home. I agree with you there. And, you know, we just talked about this AFC South Going into the season, a lot of members of the media, I think the vast majority of people were picking this Titans team to win the division. Uh, you know, looking at it now, we're still setting in first. Do you think that the Titans still have the AFC South? It's theirs to lose. Would you say that? No, I wouldn't say it's theirs to lose. I think it's theirs to win. Because, as I said, I, I think uh, Jacksonville's defense is better. I think Houston is better overall. Uh, the Titans' offense, I think, can play and match up if it's just offense versus offense. I think they're uh, potentially, if the offensive line figures things out, to be as good as uh, the Texans' offense. But I still have some serious questions about the Titans' defense. So it's not theirs to lose. It's theirs to win. Uh, but they've got to go out and certainly play a lot better than they have the last three weeks with the exception of the fourth quarter against Indianapolis. Well put, Greg. It's not ours to lose, but it's ours to win. I like that. Let's head into this this Browns game we were just talking about, recapping this Browns game. You know, we get the win in overtime, 12-9. to Not a single touchdown in this game for either team. You know, the turnovers went in our favor in this, as we were talking about Bayard with three picks. We definitely won the turnover battle. It seemed like we played, you know, pretty well on defense, all things considered, holding them to just, you know, three field goals throughout the game. But our offense was stagnant pretty much from start to finish, especially when we it seemed like we'd get drives started 
And then we'd get into field goal range and things would just shut down completely for us. What did you notice from this game? What did you take away? Well, you know, I'll go back and touch on one thing from a Cleveland standpoint. Because after Joe Thomas, who uh, is a great NFL player, he's a future Hall of Famer, but when he went out of the game, you noticed immediately Brian Arakpo really took off with the pressure and the Titans were able to exploit uh, Drango, the, the guy that came in to replace him there at, at left tackle. If Joe Thomas stays in that game, I don't know that we find the same outcome uh, with the Titans winning the ball game. It's, it's part of it. But I think that was a probably overlooked key to the game for the Titans because Thomas wasn't allowing much. They were doing a pretty good job for the most part of shutting he and Derek Morgan out uh, as far as sacks go. And if you remember last year, Cody Kessler came into Nashville and threw for 343. So when he came into the game, I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. And he came in and started moving the football. But the Titans' defense was able to do enough, and obviously Bayard with an interception there uh, of him as well uh, kind of shut things down, uh, you know, at that, in that standpoint. But it certainly was uh, a moment of concern when he came into the ball game. And, again, with Joe Thomas going out, I think that was a huge difference. Absolutely. Going into this game, one thing I was concerned about was uh, how good this rush defense for uh, Cleveland has been this year. Going into the game, they were tied for first for yards allowed per carry with the Denver Broncos. They've And they've played some decent teams. Some I believe it was four of the top 11 rushing attacks in the NFL they have played. They held us as a team, to just 2.5 yards per carry on 32 carries. And obviously a huge part of of why we were so stagnant is we couldn't get the rush game going against them. Well, that's true, and you got to give a lot of credit to Greg Williams, who's a guy that we know and I know personally, uh, you know, from his time here with the Titans. He's an outstanding defensive coordinator. He is putting his guys in the position to, to be successful, and they've got some talent. They're not... Uh, you know, the greatest defensive team of all times by any stretch of the imagination, but they've got some talented guys. Miles Garrett's coming on and giving them some things as a pass rusher. So I thought Taylor Lewan did a pretty good job against him yesterday, neutralizing him. But Greg Williams is a smart coach, and he took the film and went through the tendencies that the Titans have shown and was able to put together a plan, and his players went out and played hard because even though they're winless on the season, they're still prideful, and they're looking to say, hey, we're going to finally beat somebody. We're not going 0-16. And so they're playing their hardest and their hearts out right now to try to avoid that 0-16 thing. And, you know, that that makes them a dangerous football team. Now, they're not going to get into the playoffs and, you know, do any damage there, but somebody's going to get beat by that bunch when they come out. And like the Titans yesterday, luckily survived not having your A game against the team that really played perhaps their best football game of the season so far yesterday. Absolutely. And, you know, early on in the year, they gave the Steelers a scare. They've had some pretty close games uh, this year. They do have some talent. But moving on to the other side of the foot, you know, we've talked about this offense. The rushing game wasn't working. Marcus didn't play that well, and we were staggered. On defense, though, we allowed 2.5 yards per carry, you know, three three interceptions with no passing touchdowns. Short averages, only two sacks in this game, but, you know, all in all, not a bad game for us defensively. No, it wasn't. There were some times where uh, I thought that, uh, obviously, Duke Johnson is a a talented player, 
Uh, he was able to do some things and keep some drives going and move the chains a few times uh, on some plays where you're thinking, why in the world would they not think and, and that that guy's going to get the football either out, either out of the backfield or on draw plays. But for the most part, the defense played a, a solid game. I think there's obviously still some room for improvement there. Jonathan Cyprian, who was brought in as a free agent at safety, to be the run stopper, you know, a guy that can come downhill and do some things there with Byard being the ball hawk guy on the backside. Having Cyprian out kind of hurts some of that a little bit. Denora Searcy is not a bad player, but he's not best run stopper and he's not the best cover guy. He's a a solid player, but he's not spectacular in either one of those uh, two areas. So you kind of lose a little bit there. They can get better back there. They they didn't do enough to hang on and win yesterday and made plays when they had to. Uh, but uh, like I said a little earlier, you know, if I'm ranking defenses uh, in the AFC South, I'm going Jacksonville, Houston, the Titans, and the Colts in that order. So certainly some room to get better there for the defense. And they've got to figure out a way to get more pass rush because they're not getting enough of it right now to be as effective as they could be. Uh, with Morgan and Rackpo being lead guys, Casey's been kind of shut down a little bit at times. He's getting double teamed. Walden had really brought a lot, and Kevin Dodd is, is on a milk cart. Now, I would 100% agree with everything that you said there. Pass rush has been a big problem for us this this entire season, um, and it has been. We're not getting very many sacks. We're not getting to the quarterback fast enough. Another thing, and we've talked about it on the show throughout the season, uh, is tackling, you know, the first man up, first man that gets to the play in open field has been a, a big issue for us. We didn't do a terrible job. Duke Johnson gave us some headaches for sure in this game. But compared to what we've done for most of the season, it wasn't terrible. But it, it seems to be an issue of getting the guy down, the first person to get there making the tackle, except for a handful of guys like a buyer, you know, has been a, a very sure tackler this year. Woodyard's been playing pretty well. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you get in Casey's clutch, you're going down. But outside of that, it, it has, we've had issues tackling for sure in the open field. Absolutely. And, again, that's part of the reason why I say, you know, I rank the Titans third in the AFC South as far as defenses because that's extra yardage. And, you know, it may not hurt you on this particular drive or that particular drive, but eventually it's going to hurt you. Missing tackles is going to keep a drive alive that could be the potential difference uh, in a team, you know, completing a drive and a touchdown and winning a game or losing a game. So that's certainly something that, that has got to get better from that standpoint. I agree. One more question, Greg, before uh, I let you go here. What do you think is going through, you know, in the in the locker room through practices during this bye week? What do you think is some things that the, the Titans are really going to work on coming uh, up on this Week 9 game? Well, one of the things that people don't realize is, yes, there's a, uh, there's a bye week, but the players actually get time off during that. So they won't be practicing during that week. Uh, they'll have a five-day break, I believe, uh, in that, uh, that they actually have time to get away, go back to home, wherever that may be, uh, do you know vacation, whatever it is they want to do, and come back. The biggest thing uh, that they need to work on are the things that really we've talked about, and, and I that's what they'll do when they get back to practice and start preparing uh, for the next game. But it's really getting healthy because you need to get DeMarco back. Hopefully Delaney Walker's not too serious and you can get him up and going. But basically get Marcus back 
healthy. And then you mentioned it too, Corey Davis. Can he be ready? Because certainly I think he can give you a little something. Uh, but you got to get the guy back on the field and you got to get him some work because if he misses the entire season at this point in time, you know, he's a rookie next year coming back in for his second year. So hopefully they can get him out there. That's really the biggest thing is the health of the team. Get them healthy and, you know, then see if you can put all the pieces together and make it work the way you thought it was going to be when this team was assembled and when you came into training camp. Uh, I agree there, Greg. And for anybody that's out there that doesn't know where to find you and where to read your articles and stuff, and if you're not, you really should be. Greg's an amazing writer. Where do they find you, Greg? Pro Football Spot. Just look that up. And, of course, you can go on Twitter, uh, Greg Arias PFS, and you can find links to stuff on there. And uh, just, uh, you know, I appreciate it. And love what I do. I'm really blessed to have been in the position uh, at the right place and, and time to, to be able to get into this and, and to cover the Titans in the NFL. And I appreciate guys like you that uh, do so much great stuff that uh, allow me to come on and, and talk about the Titans and, and kind of share, you know, what I uh, see and hear and go through with uh, going to practices and things and being around the team. It's really, uh, again, it's a blessing and I appreciate what you guys do and thanks for having me on. Greg, I'm going to tell you, the the pleasure is all mine. I love having you on. You always bring some great insight, bring great knowledge to uh, uh, this show. Uh, always a pleasure having you on. I can't wait until the next time it happens. Absolutely. Just give me a call, and thanks for having me. Have a great night. You too. Another big thanks to Greg Arias for coming on the show. Always love having him on. Real quick before we get out of here, just going to go through a few of your mailbag questions. First one is not one that I got from one person, but a bunch of people, and something that has been heavily followed in the news. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch suspended one game and kicked out of the game uh, for putting his hands on a referee. And I've been asked this because we've seen Taylor Lewan put his hands on a, uh, on a ref before. We've seen other players do it. So this is a question... Of you know, should he did he deserve it? Should it have happened? I think yes. I, I think that the key difference is between you know Taylor Lewan, let's say, um, when he has put his hands on a ref, and when Marshawn Lynch did it, is the way it looks, and it really like that shouldn't matter as much. I think you put your hands on your, a referee or official at all, it should be an automatic ejection without you know like incidental contact or you know, shaking his hand or something like that, obviously, that's not a problem. But anytime that you grab a referee, you know, you're reaching over a referee to grab a guy and you hit a referee, automatic, you should be out of the game. Officials have to be protected in this game. As many of you who listen to the show probably already know, I have some history in officiating football at the high school level. If someone like Marshawn Lynch grabbed me, and obviously there's no one in high school like Marshawn Lynch, but if someone was that size and they grabbed me and came at me, the same way that Marshawn Lynch did, it would be intimidating. It would be, to me, I would see it as him trying to come at me, him trying to intimidate me, him trying to scare me, or him trying to physically uh, attack me. I would see it like that, and I think anybody in their right mind would. The way he went into it, uh, maybe not so much the contact, but the way he went into it seemed malicious. And Now, I don't think it exactly was, but the way it looks was damning for Marshawn Lynch. I think that's why he's going to end up with the suspension. That's why he got kicked out of that game. It's not so much 
you know, was it malicious? Was his intent uh, to be malicious? As much as it was, it looked bad. It looked like he was going to attack that official. So that's something, you know, it sucks. That's the way it's going to work, though. If it looks bad, it's going to be called as bad. But I, I have no problem with the uh, suspension. I have no problem with him getting kicked out of the game because you shouldn't put your hands on an official for any reason whatsoever. I, I firmly stand by that. I wouldn't. I would be upset to see one of our players, you know, get thrown out of a game, obviously, or get suspended. Especially, you know, the big comparisons Taylor Lewan, a guy like that. You're a star left tackle, a guy that means a lot to your football team. It would suck. But I would understand it if he was tossed out for some of the times that he has put his hands on a referee. One, you know, definitely comes to mind. I think we're all thinking the same incident. If you do that, I don't have a problem with him getting suspended for that. I, I would. It would suck. I obviously want him on the on the field as much as possible. He's a great player. But I don't have a problem with him being suspended for doing that. You can't put your hands on a referee. End of discussion. The next thing that we have to go over is something that I got from a lot of people, and that is what do we expect of Corey Davis? Will he be back for the Ravens game? Something that me and uh, Greg talked about earlier tonight. The Titans said that they expect him to be at practice uh, Monday, November 5th, and they expect him to play in the game against the Ravens. So that's the latest. We'll see if that actually happens or not. But right now, the latest is Corey Davis should be active for a Week 9 matchup. The last question in the mailbag this week, sent in by a good friend of mine, Michael Bennett. He asked me, what do the Titans need to focus on in the draft and the offseason? What three positions come to mind? The first one for me is obvious. I think the first one has to be pass rushing defensive and a 3-4 defensive tackle, defensive end that can get after the quarterback. It's absolutely vitally important for us. That's number one. Number two for me, I think, after that is, is focusing on that offensive line, the interior of the offensive line. Getting a guard, I think, in the second and third round, you know, pretty high for a guard. And I know that might leave a bad taste in some Titans fans' mouth when you think about uh, Chance Hormack, who really didn't work out for us. But we need a guy that can come in and rotate. I don't think Josh Klein's the answer at right tackle. Even though he's played decently well, I think we can upgrade big time at that position and upgrade cheaper if we're able to get him in the second and third round. I think Quentin Spain's a heck of a football player. I've said it before on the show. I think he's outstanding. But I don't think he's the long-term answer either in that spot. Or at least I don't think so right now. I think we can improve there. The last one for me, and I think it's almost as obvious as needing uh, a pass rusher on that defensive line, is getting a competent backup quarterback that when Marcus goes down, we bring in Matt Castle, we're going to lose football games. And I know everybody will bring up that game against Houston last year in Week 17, but Houston didn't need that win. That doesn't count as a win for Matt Castle. It, they didn't need that win. They weren't playing for a win. They were just, you know, half. They had to show up, put a team on the field so they could play in the playoffs next week. That was the only reason that they even showed up to that game. Is you have to. Now, if you look at all of his other games, Matt Castle loses. Matt Castle loses football games. That's what happens. We need someone that can come in, and when Marcus goes down, or if Marcus misses time. We're not over. Our season's not over. We can compete. We can still be a very competitive football team. You know, a guy like Matt Moore, who's been a solid backup in uh, Miami for years, is a good example. There, I mean, there's plenty of guys out there in the league that are great examples of solid backup quarterbacks that aren't going to take over football games, but don't necessarily mean you're going to lose a football game. Matt Castle should have been able to get a win against Miami. Miami's offense is the second worst scoring offense in football only beating out the Browns. 
that's a game we should have been able to win. I, I don't think that just because Marcus should go out, we should end up losing football games. Now, the question becomes, do you do it through the draft? Do you do it um, through free agency and try to get a veteran? I like the, you know, the method, especially right now in Marcus's career, of bringing in a veteran, getting another guy that knows what he's doing. But obviously that depends on who hits the market and who's available. Because you've got one a guy that can come in and be better than Matt Castle, uh, but also can provide that kind of leadership. Because Marcus is still pretty early in his career. Now, later in his career, you know, when this when we no longer need this veteran, I think you bring in a young guy, obviously, that Marcus can teach, that he can learn from Marcus and be a backup. I think that's the way you should do it when you have a franchise quarterback. Uh, you know, you have a veteran presence there that he can learn from, that he can learn how to be a great leader, how to be a better passer, how to, you know, different things like that. And then you bring in the guy that's up next is the perfect scenario. So you have a situation in which, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers sitting on the bench behind Brett Favre. You know, that worked out amazingly well for the Packers. We need to do that. So I think we still go veteran here. Marcus is going to be heading into his fourth season next year. Technically, that makes him a veteran, but still pretty early in a, in a very young career. You know, he's starting to head towards that prime. I think you still want a guy that he can learn from rather than a guy that he needs to teach at this point. I say you go in free agency. Obviously, like I said, that depends on who's available, who is there for us to grab. Is there someone there that's going to be, one, better than Matt Castle, uh, two, a veteran, and three, worth the price uh, that we're going to have to pay for him. I think there's going to be guys out there. It seems like there is every single year. You know, you don't need a guy that's going to set the world on fire, you know, but a guy that's competent, knows how to run, you know, his system, especially a guy that fits in our system. Because Matt Castle is the furthest thing from fitting in our offense. He, I mean, he's slow, doesn't make fast reads, and just throws the long ball. We have a fast quarterback that excels in accuracy in the short and mid-range game. He's completely the opposite of Marcus Mariota. So I'd like to find a guy that could come in and be, you know, like Marcus. A guy that I really liked in the draft last year, Nathan Peterman, who's, you know, playing in Buffalo. I, I really like the way that he matched up with Marcus. It's a guy I would hope that we were going to target. Uh, you know, I still think we had a good draft, but it was a guy that I thought we could target later in the draft and get because he does – you know, he doesn't have the best long ball, but he excels in the short and middle range uh, passing game. He's very accurate. He's more mobile than, you'll th- mobile than you think, but he's not a guy that's going to set the world on fire with his legs, for sure, like Marcus is. Um, but I thought it would be an excellent backup for us, you know, and a, and a route that I wouldn't mind taking, but I think getting a veteran is a better route for us. And, you know, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but those three positions... A pass rusher along the defensive line that can help this pretty stagnant pass rush. A backup quarterback for Marcus. And uh, an interior lineman. A guard that can come in. And I think they'll play backup for a little bit. But eventually take Josh Klein's role. You know, I think would help our offensive line out. We have a very good offensive line even though we've had our struggles this year. But it never hurts to upgrade an already great position. So that way, you know, it's one of the best in the league. We go back to being one of the best in the league. Because we were last year. One of the best offensive lines, bar none, in football. This year, though, I, you know, I think we're back towards 10 now at this point. You would have to be honest. I don't think you know, we're a top three offensive line for sure right now in the league. So to get back to that, I think you need to bring in some guys that can you know, just upgrade a little bit over that position. I, think it'd be, I don't think it would be hard. I'll put it that way. I don't think it would be hard to upgrade over Josh Klein in the draft if you get him in round two or three. 
But I'm going to make that a poll question on Twitter this week. I'll ask your guys your thoughts about what positions you think we need to focus on this off season, And then we'll see what the results are at the start of next week's show. Going to start using that Twitter more often to get uh, engaged with you guys. Again, like always, you can find us on that Twitter, at TTU Podcast. You can find us uh, on Facebook, at TTU Podcast. You can find our website, www.ttupodcast.com. Uh, and email me. You can email me at twotoneuncensored at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We always love getting feedback from fans. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope everybody has a great bye week this week and a great Halloween And get recharged like the team is going to. Get ready, come back so we can kick some Raven ass in week nine. Tighten up.